Hello, everyone. So this week we're moving on from where we left off. Last week, Gavin really helpfully set the foundation, the motivation, the power, the grace um, <laughs> from where we endeavor to be what he called everyday missionaries. I like that. A family, us, of unique individuals. As the Bible says, God's masterpieces, workmanship, made alive in Christ. What to do? To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Moshtava, Sasan, others, you, me, we have God-prepared works for us to do. One pastor and Bible teacher of a big church in the United States says, you are not an assembly line product, mass produced like in a factory without thought. You are custom designed, one of a kind and an original masterpiece glorifying the master. Or as the 90, I like this, as the 1920s singer and actress Ethel Waters once said, God doesn't make junk. Question, as we move on, who remembers Popeye the Sailor Man? Now, this is not going to cross the seas, it's not going to cross cultures, but hopefully I'll be able to explain it. Popeye was a cartoon character that I would watch every week. Um, Popeye was awesome. He was my hero. If you're not familiar with him, he would get up to loads of adventures and mischief and tricky situations. And eventually things would get so tough for him that he would need super to be super strong to get him out of the mess or the difficult problem. And when this strength was needed, he would open a can of spinach, pop it down his mouth. Uh, he'd get it from his hat, put it down his mouth, and then miraculously these muscles would pop up in his arms and legs, and his tattoos would get bigger on his arms, his pipe would waggle, and he was ready for action. Popeye the Sailor Man. Gavin, I'm sure you're relating to this story. He was my hero I'm, uh, before I met Jesus and, of course, Paul Winston. But what, re what I really mem remember as I got older and thought about Popeye was when he got frustrated, when he wasn't sure what to do, when he felt, if you like, inadequate, Popeye would say this, I am, he'd say simply, I am what I am. I am what I am. You see, Popeye wasn't a sophisticated sophisticated guy. He'd never been to counselling. He didn't have lots of GCSEs or degrees, as far as we know. He wasn't a man of status or office. He was a simple, seafaring, pipe-smoking, olive oil, his lady friend loving, sailor man. But every time he said those words, I am what I am, there seemed to be a note of sadness about him. It tugged on our heartstrings a little. It was generally offered <clears throat> as an explanation of his deficiencies or shortcomings. Don't get your hopes up, he seemed to say. Don't expect too much of me. I am what I am. And when things really got gloomy, he would add an extra bit, and that's all I am. But that is not you and me, Jubilee. That's what the Bible tells us, doesn't, doesn't it? We have much more than just spinach. We've got God, the Holy Spirit. We have God's word, uh, what Reza called God's holy book. I am what I am, and that's all I am, is not your identity, is not my identity. Because 
When we come to Jesus, he has given us a new one, a new identity in Christ. That's what Gavin was lifting us up to last week. 1 Corinthians 15.10 says, <laughs> 1 Corinthians 15.10 is the life-changing antidote, if you like, to Popeye's, I am what I am. And that's all that I am condition of the heart. What does 1, 15, 1 Corinthians 15 say? What does Paul say? But by the grace of God, I am what I am in Christ. A new, secure, hope-filled, certain identity. Listen, Jubilee, we rejoice in knowing this. And we bring this rejoicing news of Jesus to everyone, everywhere, as we've just heard with Reza. The church has left the building. We've heard that, haven't we? The tent is being stretched out beyond the realms of what we thought before. The dynamis, dynamite, explosive, landscape-changing, dam-busting power of God is being, um, is being unleashed in all of our front lines. And the question I believe God is asking us is, will, we, will you, will I be a disciple, a follower, a world-changer? For God, who is making all things new? So that was week one. Brilliant, Gavin. Your identity is key. No matter what, we rejoice in God. Week two this week, I want us to continue where Gavin left off, to encourage each other. That's what I want tonight to be about. I remember Jeremy uh, said some years ago at one of our services, that word encourage means to put courage in. That's what today is about in our discussions, our prayers together. We're going to be looking at what it, what makes us effective on our front lines, how God has fearfully and wonderfully made you uh, to bring heaven down in the place he specifically put you. Today, we're going to be exploring how God has shaped you. I'm going to use that word, shaped you, um, um, to serve him in the greater commission of being a disciple. Now, remember Terry Virgo, hearing Terry Virgo, the father of the New Frontiers family of churches, which we're part of. Remember Terry Virgo in a meeting of persecuted Chinese pastors sharing, they would share, they shared how they would welcome new believers. And they would say this, in you, Jesus now has a new pair of eyes to see with, a new pair of ears to listen with, a new pair of hands to help with, and a new heart to love others with. I love that. I love that sense of faith. So to help us, I've always found this acronym, these, this few, these few, uh, this word um, shape really helpful. Some of you have done it in your community groups recently. There are some, there are some of, these are some of the things to think about that make up your unique God-empowered contributions to the world around you. These are some of the characteristics or distinctives that make up who you are in Christ for purpose. What is your God-given shape? So shape, S, spiritual gifts. What are they? Well, you know that, don't you? You, you can read about spiritual gifts in the Bible, in Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Peter 4. And even that isn't the end of the list, really. I think my understanding from the Bible is that spiritual gifts are the differing talents, aptitudes, capabilities God, the Holy Spirit, has given to each believer 
every one of you to meet the needs around you in such a way that it creates a community of people together who are growing in the fullness and character of Jesus. That's what spiritual gifts are from God in the Bible. I have loved seeing this on our last online Alpha. There are people who, throughout the, whole, the last few weeks on Alpha, there have been people who bring their guests along through their evangelistic zeal. There are people who <laughs> administratively and strategically make it happen. There are people who are icebreakers, the hospitality creators. Then there are those who are prophetic and pastoral and teach. We have a team of intercessors. We pray for healing. What I've noticed is that in the doing, in the doing of those things that God's called us to, people see each other's gifts in action to the prayers of God's glory. And when that happens, spiritual gifts really shine and faith grows. Just as an aside, we charismatic Christians put more emphasis on our spiritual gifts, sometimes at the expense of growing in spiritual fruit and character. And that's not going to work on your front line. People will see that for a mile. If you're wondering why isn't the church using my spiritual gift or why isn't my spiritual gift not working with my friends or my colleagues, then nine times out of 10, I would say, look to your character. That has always been for me, the limiting factor when it comes to operating in God-given spiritual gifts. Controversial, let's move on. Jubilee, what are your spiritual gifts? How are you and those around you fanning them into flame? But they're not the total picture. God is more multicolored and multi-dimensional dimensional than that. Um, so, you, 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 so shape, H, we'll go on to the next letter. Your, what your, your shape is part of your, what, what, what's in your heart, okay? Biblically, this describes a great bundle. Your heart describes a great bundle of desires, hopes, interests, ambitions, dreams, and affections that you have. Your heart represents, if you like, the source of all your motivations, what you love to do and what you care about the most. Proverbs 27, 19 says, as looking into the water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. Your heart, Jubilee, reveals the real you. Your heart determines why you say things you do, why you feel the way you do, why you act the way you do. My emotional heart beat races when I see people of diverse backgrounds getting excited about Jesus like we've seen tonight. It goes faster when I see leadership and faith in someone break out in action, particularly in those who wouldn't have considered themselves leaders or influential in any way. Over the years, other people's generosity has massively spoken to me about the grace and provision of God through Jesus-filled hearts. Lots of you. Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Some of us, uh, some of us care about things deeply, like the environment or the plight of drug addicts or certain places or nations. These emotional and passionate heartbeats are so important to God. Don't ignore them at all. Rather consider how they might be used for God's glory. There's also, there is a, a kingdom reason that you love to do 
the things that make your heart race. Find them, do them, and, and make God central in all of them. Personally, I feel a real calling to bring the joy news of Jesus to well-to-do posh people who think they're invincible, but in God's eyes, once again, might be deeply lost and poor. Those who don't quite relate to the younger son in the parable of the prodigal son in, in Jesus' parable, but rather the epitome of, say, the elder brother. That's what I spoke about just on Saturday to a whole lot of people in Great Ayton and Stokesley. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. Of course, the gospel is for those on the margins. It is. Those who are poor, those who are trodden down by others and institutions, the disadvantaged. You know that. We know that. The church is passionate about, about that kind of faith in action. The reason I mentioned it, though, is my passion for the rich uh, is to give you an, that, that rich or the, uh, the well-to-do, is to give you an example of a heart thing that is unique to me. Maybe you too. When you serve from the heart, people notice. People see something different. People stop and question what it is. Of, uh, what is it about you that makes you a different teacher, say, a different parent, a different neighbor, a different person who is just maybe shopping at Aldi? Who knows? So what do you love to do? What did God give you a heart to do? And are you doing what you love to do for the glory of God? Point three, I might make, I might make it with this man, severe form of man flu to the, to the end of this talk. Thirdly, my shape is formed by A, my abilities. As you know, I'm a giant in administration and DIY. Sadly, that's not true at all. Me doing those things do not glorify God in the slightest. Actually, I didn't really think playing the guitar this weekend either did, but that's different. As I've been um, doing my Bible in one year, uh, those readings with the Bible project, that's what I'm using this year, Exodus 31, 3 really got my attention. And it says this, I have chosen you Bezalel of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all skills. Gosh, he's encountering God. What is it that, what is it, God, that you have blasted this uh, man with your spirit to empower him to do? Surely heal the sick, make the blind see, fight a war, make the paralyzed get up and walk. What is it, God? I want to know. And then it says to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, and to cut and set stones to work in wood and to engage in all kinds of crafts. I wasn't expecting that. Get this, when God was calling this, that was building the center of the universe, then the tabernacle, the place where God would dwell and shine out his glory and show the nations that his people were his desire and beauty, he empowered Bezalel and his team to be artistically creative. That was very important to God. The Bible has loads of examples examples jubilee of abilities that people use for the glory of god architectural ability administer administering baking bookmaking candy making 
um, debating, designing, embalming, embroidering, engraving, farming, fishing, gardening, leading, managing, masonry, making music, making weapons, needlework, painting, planting, philosophizing, machine work, inventing, carpentry, sailing, selling, being a soldier, tailoring, teaching, writing, literature, and poetry, on and on it goes. Question, what are your... What are the abilities? What are your abilities that God has given you to bring restoration and kingdom transformation? Because what, uh, what, what are you able to do? Because what you are able to do, God wants you to do for his kingdom's sake. Do you hear that? I just felt prophetically, I, God put a few names on my heart. Becca, God has given you a job in the wilderness and the moors so that those around you who appreciate creation might come to know the creator. Sam, God will give you a job so that you can lift the marginalized, the disabled, the poor, the dysfunction, the, the dysfunctional, the apple, the apples of God's eye to provoke the church into action. Roxana and Benny, through you both, God is building a bridge to the nations, bringing gladness, joy, and worship to places where those things seem alien and trivial. Bindu, I'm glad you're here today. God wants you to know that the church is a safe place for you. In fact, the church is the soil in which you will be watered, where you will grow and be fed, where fruit will be God's delight in you. Marion, the joy of the Lord is your strength. We know that we see it on your face every time we see you. But that joy is joy to others, God's joy, so that in the midst of people's despair and disappointment, they may know the God who loves them and wants to put joy into them too. Derek and Helen, your cafe on the seafront is being transformed in this next season to a lighthouse visible for miles around, especially to those who think they're not worthy for afternoon tea. Zahra, God wants you to know that cancer will not define you, but, the he but healing and restoration, the, res res the restorative nature of God who holds you in the palm of his hands, that will define you. And this will be a testimony to the nations on your doorstep. Finally, Mushtaba, you are to be a Joshua, helping us take our people and others into the promised land of multicolored church and the nations be strong and courageous. Listen, when you get into your breakout rooms, don't just be thoughtful and cerebral and thought, you know, thinking and chin stroking, but be prophetic and powerful over one another. We are to be encouragers for the glory of God. We have to take hold of God's prophetic promises as anchors that hold us strong through thick and thin, but also as compasses that shows the way. P, nearly there, personality. What are you like? That's what often people say to me. If DNA is anything to go by, then the likelihood of you meeting someone with the same DNA pattern is a very long number. In fact, if you were to write out that number with each zero on the end being one inch wide, you would need a strip of paper 37,000 miles long. So when you tell, so when someone tells you, gosh, I've never met someone like you before, they're probably right. God loves variety. Some of us are introverts, others are extroverts. Some people love routine, others don't. He made some people thinkers and others feelers. Some people work best on their own, others love team. 
I remember one writer said, church would be very boring if we were all just plain vanilla. I think he's referring to ice cream flavors. Charlotte, Charlotte always hammers this home to me. Charlotte has a personality that tends to like one-on-one -on -one gatherings. In those places, she has deep conversations. She often asks me when I've met up with a, with a friend, did you ask this or did you ask that? And my reply is, never thought about it. It would often be at that point, I would realize my, my own superficial superficiality of relationships. She has the personality makeup, particularly with our non-Christian family friends, to engage in a way where I just don't. It's deeper, it takes longer. And often when there is, a, there is a family strife in one of our friends or a personal difficulty in the lives of others, Charlotte will be there or they'll come to her. Me on the other hand, get straight to the point, bulldozer, um, bull in a china shop, whatever you want to call it, asking difficult questions. I'll often invite people to loads of stuff. But what is fascinating, even though through our differences, what I'm finding more and more is that God is using our differences together to make a difference across all those relationships and friendships. There's a tension sometimes, of course there is, but God seems to be planting us in the midst of friends, tragedies, or in the midst of difficulties with kids or stresses of life and marriage breakups and so on. Your personality is also your purpose. So what is your personality like? How could God be using you to make a difference? Finally, E, your experiences. How you handle different situations of life extraordinarily speaks to the hearts of others about how Jesus makes a difference. Your family experiences, your experiences at school or university, your job, your daily work, the experiences you have encountering God miraculously when you pray for someone, when you share your story, or especially in pain or hurt. 2 Corinthians 1 says, Praise be to the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. Why? So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort God has given us himself. A comfort that abounds through Christ. Listen, the world needs this experience of God so much. Being frontliners for Jesus, everyday missionaries, bringing his joy news to everyone everywhere. It doesn't just happen with sharing the gospel and doctrine and answering tough questions. It comes with real lives, your life, my life, often suffering and a persevering in a life full of tragedies and surprises. And it is this that often speaks most clearly and connectingly, if that's a real word, to those around us. Jesus never wastes a hurt. Yesterday morning, I interviewed an older lady at the local Catholic church, and she told me how when she first got married, her husband developed alcoholism. She told me about the traumas and the chaos that this wreaked on her whole family, especially the kids. It was a tough story to hear fully. But then she talked about how a church family, how a love for scripture, how breaking bread and drinking wine, how praying empowered her to carry on. In fact, a story eventually resulted in them separating for the sake of the kids. But years later, when the kids were older, she remarried him again in order to help and support him through his addiction. Yesterday was the first, uh, well, yeah, yesterday was the first time she publicly shared that story. 
Listen, it didn't have a happy ending either. Life isn't like that. We all know that. But sharing that story imparted a bigger dimension of God to others. Listen, even in times of doubt and depression, when our faith is in the valleys rather than up there in the mountaintops, even then, God is there. And sharing those stories with others are often God's way of using you, me, to bring his presence in a time of seeming emptiness. What are the experiences you've gone through that God has brought healing and comfort and through which God may bring comfort to others or is already doing so? Jubilee, to end, God has shaped you to be, uh, God has shaped you to be you in the midst of the bigger us that is the bigger him. Think about that. You're the body of Christ. I love the New Jerusalem translation of Isaiah 43. The people I have saved for myself, you and me, will broadcast my praises. We rejoice knowing that we are in Christ as masterpiece created to do his good works. Not inadequate, not I am what I am and that's all I am. A despairing Popeye heart, no way. But rather by the grace of God, I am what I am in Christ. Listen, Jubilee, here. God on this and take this to heart. Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Now go and live that truth out, Jubilee. You're you're shaped for purpose and that is your true worship. Thanks for listening and enjoy your discussion groups.